welcome everybody to Beyond the Pew. Welcome, welcome. We, we're here. Pastor Bruce Rosa. Yes, yes. Pastor Eric Gill. And we have a special guest with us today. All the way from the city of Virginia, now Akron. The, the city, city of, of Virginia. Virginia. Yes. The city of Virginia. Yeah, brotherly love. Not, uh, yeah. <laughs> nope, nope. That's not, not what we're doing here. But uh, <laughs> Pastor Brian Jones is with us today. Pastor Brian, tell us, um, what do you do? What do you do at the church and where are you coming from? To yes. set the record straight for, <laughs> yes. for Pastor Eric over here. So uh, I'm the pastor of outreach and evangelism here at Maranatha, and I am from the state for lovers, which is Virginia, the city of Lynchburg. Yeah, it was close. Brother is he love. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. There yeah. are brothers in Virginia that love each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there are. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Brian, how long have you been here at Maranatha? Uh, coming up just now in 11 months. 11 months. Mm-hmm. And so, almost a year. Yes, almost a year. Yes, yeah. almost a year now. Yeah. And we appreciate you being mm-hmm. here. And um, obviously, you've been doing a lot of things since you've been here at Maranatha. And um, I guess w- w- as we get started, we want to talk about outreach and evangelism a little bit today. Yep. Uh, tell us, you know, kind of what's going on right now with the outreach and evangelism in the church. Like, what are some things we're doing as yeah. a church right now. Or uh, have done it for that matter too. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're, we're really looking for practical ways to engage the community. Uh, a lot of what we've done over the course of this year is really look to develop and foster relationships with administrations, uh, whether it's school administrations, uh, you know, officials from the community, whether that's mayors or, uh, you know, what do they call them? Trustees, all those different types of things. Uh, police departments, mm-hmm. uh, school districts, as I mentioned, looking to develop those relationships, kind of find out where the needs are in the community, mm-hmm. and then hear about those needs and meet those needs, really show the love of Christ in practical ways. So we've been able to do that in a, a huge variety of ways over the course of the last 11 months. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I will say that it has been very <laughs> evident, like uh, for our people, if you're part of Mary Nata Bible Church and you have been here for the last 11 months, you know that there's been a significant involvement in the outreach perspective of things. Yeah, for sure. You can tell a difference. I mean, so you're doing a fantastic job mm-hmm. and people who know you um, have seen that and the impact it's making. But as we think about outreach and evangelism, that was one of the areas as a church as we evaluated that we were um, weaker in. We, we weren't doing a lot in regards to that. So why is that important for the church? When we think about outreach and evangelism, um, is there a difference in your mind between the two? How do they work together? And why are those important for any church to really have an active role in yeah well there's some definitely loaded questions there like when i think about outreach and evangelism uh i think of them as as distinct but intertwined so you know outreach uh the reason we do outreach is for the sake of the gospel right we want to bring god glory and we want to share his gospel uh so outreach can and many times does lead to opportunities to have gospel conversations, which I would call evangelism. I would mm. specifically call evangelism sharing the gospel, yeah. right? Okay. But outreach doesn't always lead to that. Like there are things that we do, like police appreciation, where we get to go in once a month and we just take in uh, either breakfast or lunch for a group of policemen. Sometimes we'll get the opportunity to pray with them, love on them, but just you know, practically say, hey, we appreciate what you do. We recognize what you do in the community, and we want you to know that we're here, that we support you. And then when opportunities may arise, you know, for us to share our faith or, uh, you know, engage in that manner, we do, but we don't always evangelize when we're reaching out to, like, the police officers, mm-hmm. for instance. So, so it sounds like evangelism, <laughs> there's a necessity for it to be, for it to fall under the category of evangelism, the gospel needs to be shared. 
Yes, I, yeah. I would say the gospel has to be shared for it to be evangelism. Yeah. Yep. Whereas with the outreach, it's more like it's like you're looking down the road, like potential this interaction, this event, this uh, opportunity could lead into a conversation where the gospel can be shared. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yes and. And going into the qu first question that you ask, you know, why outreach and evangelism? Uh, I believe it's God's heart, right? Like if we look at the story of Scripture, it's God's story of redemption for all people, right? If you think of the most popular verse that you've heard, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He sent His Son. Like what we're looking to do is to send ourselves out in the community and be a representation of that love to them in whatever practical ways that mm -hmm. we can. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes that's taking. Uh, lunch to police officers. Sometimes that's taking donuts and coffee to teachers and saying we love you and appreciate you. Mm. Sometimes that's going out and doing street evangelism. Yeah. You know, sometimes it can be a variety of things, which I'm sure yeah. we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Now, you know, I just as I, I think this is something that, like, as we start to dive in more and more and more, we have used the word gospel quite a few even already mm -hmm. in this short podcast. Um, what is the gospel like? If you were to define, because you'd be surprised how many people cannot do, do not know how to put it into words. So yep. like, what is the gospel? Yeah, so I always take people back to 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, I think he, he does the clearest uh, presentation of the gospel, right? And he says, uh, that is that uh, Christ uh, died in accordance with our scriptures. Mm -hmm. He was buried and he was raised again three days later in accordance with the scriptures. So yeah. I think that's the most simplistic form of the gospel that you can get to. And whenever I'm training or teaching people uh, how to evangelize, I run to 1 Corinthians 15 and say, hey, like, this is the heart of it. This is the simplest format of it. So yeah. talking about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection yeah. is the gospel. And so when you share that, then that falls under the category of evangelism. If I share that with someone. Yeah, with yes. somebody. Mm -hmm. okay. So you see both as essential then, outreach and evangelism. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand, yep. it, it would seem like. Um, yep. There are clear opportunities to share the gospel with people, but then there's other opportunities that demonstrate the love of Christ, mm -hmm. to care for people and both are commanded, right, in Scripture, that God's called us to do both. He's yep. called us to care and love people and to let our light shine, that they may see our good works, you know, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, which which leads to that opportunity for evangelism to take place. So is it just the work of the evangelist to share the gospel? I mean, the Bible says that people are gifted with different yep. areas of giftedness. You're obviously gifted with the gift of evangelism. I'm not gifted with evangelism, or Eric's not. If, if that's the case... Are you gifted with evangelism? Um, yeah, I would feel that's an area of strength that I feel that yeah. I have. Maybe not the primary area of giftedness, yeah. but I do feel like I, I have that giftedness, giftedness in, a, in, yeah. a, in a particular yeah. you know, amount. Um, yeah. But is it the responsibility of everybody or just the evangelist to, to really be sharing the gospel? Yeah, I think I think it's clear when you look at Scripture, you know, there's a call and commission for all believers to be intentional in sharing the gospel. Uh, one of the things that, that I've kind of really grown in my understanding of over the course of the last year or two uh, is the work of the evangelist. Like when you look at the context in which they talk about an evangelist, that's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And they were given prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers, you know, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So I would argue as much as it is the responsibility of one gifted with evangelism to be sharing their faith, it's just as much a responsibility to be equipping, you know, everyday believers to fulfill the commission and call that God has given them to share their faith. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, that's good. That's, so, that's a very interesting take. And, I, and one that I don't really hear often being said. So you're saying, if I get it right, that for someone like Bruce and you who are gifted in evangelism, uh, and someone like me that I would say I'm not gifted in evangelism, you'll feel the necessity for the two of you to go to someone like me and, and challenge me and train me on how to go from 
where I am to go for myself to go out and share with the gospel with other people. Yeah, yeah, I think... I think it's a biblical model too. Like mm. when you look at how Christ sent people out, he sent them out two by two to go into the towns yeah. and neighborhoods and to share, right? Like there's this measure of like, if we could build a team of evangelists within our church that could then go out with others who maybe don't have the strength yeah. of evangelism to be equipped and encouraged and strengthened, you know, like it's evangelism is a weird thing. Like it's like, you know, this muscle that if you don't use it feels really awkward, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. the first time you do yoga, you look like you do yoga, yeah. right? Yeah, I um, definitely do. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. Without, without, without a doubt. doubt. Like, <laughs> what, a lot of yoga Meet me on Thursdays, you know, I don't even know the place, but just... On Thursday. So you clearly don't. I don't know the place. You've never done it. That's fine. Yeah. Stretching is important. Yeah, yeah. So the first time you do yoga, it feels really awkward, right? Like, I don't look like I did yoga. I don't know. Yeah, I've never done it. You You sound like you've done it. Yeah. So I I used to do this thing called P90X, and they had a yoga day. And that's where I did. Yeah. you have done. P90X sounds much more... You Manly. Know, yeah. Then, then <laughs> I yoga. don't peak my yeah. yes. Dude, yoga's no joke. If you do no. it stretching, anyways, the, the example goes to say yeah. that the first time you, if you're ever sweaty. to do yoga, yeah. it feels really awkward. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I would imagine. Then, yeah. yeah. I would imagine it would. Stretching out. We'll go do a yoga session later on. Uh, it feels really awkward. And like until you get used to the positions and the stretches that you're doing, it kind of changes, you know? Indeed. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. Yes. But I, I'm saying evangelism can be like the same thing. You know, yeah. in general, you know, if, if you're not using or exercising those muscles or those, you know, callings that God has given you, then when you do it, it kind of feels awkward and you're not sure, really sure what yeah. to do. So I'm a believer that if, if we can go and do it together, yeah, you know, like I yeah. think the Lord can do really cool and, things. And, and I would say like hearing that, that is pretty sweet and encouraging because like there's a misconception that when you think about going out for evangelism, or to evangelize, you have it's like you have to set up a SWAT team of people that are, are a team that is composed by the elites of the elites that know how to evangelize and that are gifted in evangelism. And they're the ones that are responsible to go out, go door to door, or go to the park, go wherever, and share the gospel. But what you're saying is not that. It's not like the the ones that are exclusively uh, gifted in that area. For someone like me, like I still have the call or the commitment from the Lord to go out and evangelize. And what a better way to do it than with someone else that actually knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of inspiration that takes place. There's modeling that takes place, right? Um, But there's also a sense of confidence that comes with that. You know, it's the same analogy we can use when it's like a parent with their kid. Yeah. And, and the kid's a little bit scared about but that, but going to like, the dentist or going to get a, you know, going to the doctor for an appointment or that the unknown for them a lot of times is what prohibits. But when they can go with someone who's confident and they know what they're doing and they can kind of observe and then they can practice and then they can do. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. And we understand that in a lot of other areas, but not particularly in the area of evangelism. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think it's pretty sweet because like there may be someone watching or listening today that will want to go out and share the gospel. But they haven't done it because they know or they feel like they're not capable of sharing the gospel. So even when we are announcing from the pulpit or from our any other venue of communication and we say, hey, we have an opportunity for outreach, they're not willing to dive in on that because they don't feel like they're capable of doing. But what we're saying is whether or not you are gifted on that, you should be part of this and and be a pair up with someone who is actually gifted will make that even more productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. So mm-hmm. just as a, as a transition, based upon what you were just sharing, obviously there are a lot of obstacles that people in their own mind tell themselves that stop them, right, from doing evangelism, from even having a mindset towards outreach and evangelism. 
What, what do you see as some of those obstacles maybe? I mean, if, as you think through why people don't share their faith, what would be some of the things that you've heard or that you would feel like, man, this is something that hinders people and it really shouldn't. What do you see as those primary obstacles? Man, uh, yeah, that's a, a loaded question. Uh, I actually just read a chapter in a book yesterday, uh, and it was specifically talking about how Western culture, they want to share the gospel, uh, but the fact of the matter is that we just don't prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that would probably be the biggest factor. Like, we don't actually, like we say it's a priority in life, but our lives don't actually back that up. Like, one of the examples I can use for that, um, we did a neighborhood cookout, and we identified a family that we, we really want to reach out to. They don't, we don't think that they know Christ from the conversations we had. I was able to share my testimony. And Heidi and I, we got done with that. My wife and, uh, you know, we were like, okay, we want to have this family over. We want to be intentional with them. We want to reach back out. Well, two months have passed. And we haven't hung out with them again. And that's on us, right? So there's just a measure of intentionality that has to come behind it. And it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us, you know, uh, not doing something else and, and prioritizing that. So mm-hmm. that's 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 a huge one, I think. I think fear is another big one. Um, a lot of people feel like they're inadequate in a variety of ways. They feel like the gospel is more complicated than it is, um, that you know, there's all these different things that would cause us to worry about cancel culture, all the things that could happen if we share our faith. But at the end of the day, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, like we don't really love people the way we should if we're not evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Right, like when you really think about like loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves, like what is the most loving thing that we could do for them? Right, it's, it's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the most transformational things in our life. Like mm-hmm. with the trials and difficulties that I walk through, I can't imagine walking through that without the peace of God. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. walking through that without the fruits of the Spirit. And yet, like, how there are people closest to us that are yeah living yeah. life like that, and we choose not to share. Well, I would say that. We may have a love issue. There's actually a book I was reading that was talking about this. He was going to write the book, and he was writing the first chapter on fear and the fear factor that's present in you know sharing our faith. And then he felt overwhelming conviction from God saying, you don't have a fear problem. You have a love problem. You don't love people mm. and see people the way that mm. I do. So uh, that's, that really hit home with me a few months ago, and I feel like that's probably the number one thing. But f- fear what, is part of it. Priorities. What was the name of that book? Uh, I mean, would you? Is that would that be a book that you will encourage people that are listening or watching to read if they wanted to be challenged on their evangelism? Yeah, I think it's a good book. Probably one of the best books I've read recently on evangelism is called "How to Share the Gospel Without Being That Guy." Um, really wonky title, but it's it's really good about a like intentional relational approach to investing in the lives of people for the sake of sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be my most recommended book what, right now. What is it called? About who is it? How about? to share the gospel, or how to share, how to talk about Jesus without being that guy. Written by a guy named San Chan. Uh, I think he's a, a church planner over in Australia. Mm-hmm. So let me just revisit some of these obstacles for a minute because you talked about a lack of intentionality mm-hmm. and priority. You talked about fear. You talked about love, right? So let's just hit those one at a time. So the first one you talked about was maybe a lack of priority or intentionality. That's a that's a common theme that's come up. Like mm-hmm. we we talked with um, Pastor Jacob, middle school pastor, and uh, he had talked about intentionality in ministering to middle school students and how people are someone's pouring into their life, um, whether it's society or culture. But there's needs to be intentionality when we talk about evangelism and outreach. Um, you're talking about intentionality of priority, right? Mm-hmm. There's just not enough time in the day to do this, or there's not enough. But when we think about that, the things that matter to us most, we make time mm-hmm. for, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit of a foreign concept, maybe for a lot of Christians, yeah. 
to think about, and I don't, for lack of a better way to put it, scheduling outreach and evangelism as part of mm-hmm. their day. Um, but what we're really saying is that should take a priority over things that don't matter as much. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. yet it's true. We schedule the things that are important to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, so that's a really interesting take in asking people, are you maybe providing enough margin in your day and your in your life yep. that you're making room intentionally for people that you can have those yep. relationships with. Now, now with that too, I think there may be, or maybe it's just me, but I want to hear your thoughts because I feel like there could also be a misconception where the individuals may think, oh, I'm actually being proactive or I am sharing the gospel, but maybe what they understand for it uh, of what they're doing is not correct. For instance, like what if you have an individual that they're constantly posting uh, things on social media, uh, on their stories about God or a message or sharing about the gospel from social media. Like in their minds, they're probably thinking, no, I am actually proactive. It is a priority in my life. But would you consider that as a convers- as a, as a, as a, as, as someone who is actually doing the work of an evangelism evangelist? I would say it's great what they're doing and planting seeds is planting seeds in whatever format that it is. But I would not say, that that is going to be an effective method for evangelism. Like when you look at, you know, Paul, as he talks about sharing the gospel with people, you know, he, he says at one point, I didn't just share the gospel with you, but I shared my very self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I shared my very mm-hmm. life. Like my mm-hmm. wife and I, one of the things that we have been talking about is like, what would it look us, look like for us? Like, okay, we dedicate Wednesday nights to connect groups, right? Like that's our time for our deep-rooted you know, church family uh, community. We dedicate Friday nights. That's our family night. We do movie night. We do pizza night. We schedule that out. So we're talking like, what would it look like for us to take one night a week and say, this is our outreach night, right? And that's available and open and then intentional there to say, hey, we want to have people over for dinner. We want to take people out for dinner. We want to take people out for coffee. Maybe that looks like me as I meet someone, you know, uh, at Panera or whatever it is, meeting up with them that evening. Maybe it's my wife. She has an opportunity to connect with a mom through a sporting outing or a school outing or whatever it might be. But what would it look like for us to pre-schedule that in so it's not an inconvenience yeah. to us. Yeah. It's just a part of who we are and what we do. And it is a part of who we are and what we do as a family too because having a family over – you know, for the sake of, you know, intentionally investing to, to, you know, have the opportunity to share the gospel is also a great example for our kids yeah. to see and, and, and yeah. to be a part of, you know, so yeah. absolutely, that's something we've yeah. been talking about as a family. No, it's yeah. good. Um, kind of a second obstacle you talked about was fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it was important that you began by giving really a simple definition of the gospel that Paul mm-hmm. gives in First Corinthians 15. Jesus died, was buried, rose again, right? And with that comes the understanding of why did he have to die, right? Because yeah. of, of sin and because of our separation from God. Because mm-hmm. of our sin, he paid that penalty and the victory that is Christ over the grave, right? And how that's a victory in our lives as well as we know him. But fear is a huge thing. Like people fear, I don't know enough. What if there's a question that I could be asked that I don't know the answer to? Um, what if my life doesn't look completely squeaky clean. Like I'm going to share the gospel with someone that I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian, but Christians have reputations of being hypocrites. How would you respond to those kind of objections yeah. as it relates to fear? I don't know enough. What if I'm asked a question that I don't know the answer to and my life's not perfect. So how could I share the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, a whole host of responses that we could go to. I mean, but ultimately we recognize that, you know, 
if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, like you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, right? And there's a measure of dependence on him that has to be at the forefront when you're talking about evangelism. Yeah. So that that would be my number one response would say, okay, like you may have fears, right? But, you know, like the Lord is with you and he goes before you in all of these things. And you can know that and have that confidence with it, you know? And, and two, I think the other side is, is we think that people are far less receptive than they actually are. Like very, very, very few times in my conversations do I get like flat out rejected or people getting angry at me. When I'm saying very few, I mean like I can think of one in the last year. Yeah. And it wasn't even like she got angry at me. She's just like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, And I was like, okay, that's, that's good. That's fine. So I think that there's a misconception there. When if you look at some of the data that's coming out, I, I remember just reading a statistic not long ago that even uh, the younger generation that we have now, it was something crazy. Like over 80% of them said they were interested in learning more about Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's even higher than that, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Like when people were asked about spiritual yeah. things, they're like, "Man, well, super th- interested in spiritual things." Mm-hmm. Like I, I think too, like to, uh, that that it's creating that it's like the world right now is at a point that like is op- people's eyes are being open, like mm-hmm. that there's they themselves are coming to the conclusion with whatever is going on is not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And so you yeah. have people that are curious and they want things to be done. Now, uh, I, I think you hit on something that is so key, which is like the idea that the Holy Spirit goes with it with you. Mm-hmm. And like, I, again, go back to someone like me who I'm, I don't feel like I'm gifted in evangelism. I don't often think about what the Holy Spirit will do with me if I was to go out and talk to somebody about the gospel. So like, what would you say as a practical example of things that the Holy Spirit in your experience from whether in your own life or that you have heard from other people uh, that the Holy Spirit will do to help them in their conversation when they go out, because that might be able to, that might help from, that might help removing the fear of sharing the gospel with people. Yeah. I think that I get promptings from the spirit all the time. Like if, if I'm in a conversation walking with the spirit, like, one of the big things that I do to try to intro into evangelistic conversations is just ask questions, right? Like you're always trying to peel back the layers of the onion and look for what doors or opportunities is God opening up to turn this everyday conversation into a gospel conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all the time as I'm sitting there kind of prayerfully listening to people, because the easiest way to like get opportunities to share the gospel is to sit and listen to someone just start to share the story of their life and some of the difficulties and brokenness that they have going on in their life. But I find with me, one of the things that the Lord's really faithful to do is uh, bring questions to mind, you know, like mm-hmm. things to ask that kind of allow or give insight. Uh, that's at least true in my case. I think sometimes, too, the, the Holy Spirit just gives us that confidence we need, too, you yeah. know, like as you you meet someone, you're having that conversation, He'll give you that prompting, like, hey, this is that moment. Or like, for me, I call it my Jesus tick, uh, where like <laughs> like this alarm starts going off in my mind, like, okay, here it is, here's the opening, you know, yeah. and like the Spirit kind of prompts me. And you that. feel like that's independent of you being gifted in evangelism. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like everyone, if you're engaging in that way, the Spirit will, will give you promptings and leadings and guidings, yeah. um, you know, if, if you're listening to them, you know, within conversations. Yeah, so. yeah and I, I think that's important too because we can we can downplay the role of the Spirit of yeah. God. The forgotten, the, the forgotten God. And, and the power yeah. of the Spirit of God a lot of times, you know, but when Jesus is going to go to the Father, he tells his followers, it's to your advantage that I leave you, mm-hmm. which is crazy to consider that. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus and you walk with Jesus and you observe him healing people and teaching with authority and no one can stump him, right? If you're with Jesus, you're feeling pretty confident. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. says to those that were with him, 
it is better for you that I'm no longer with you here because the spirit of truth will come, mm-hmm. right? So, and J.D. Greer wrote a book a number of years ago talking about how the spirit inside of you is greater than Jesus beside you. And he talks yeah. about how this was the promise that Jesus gave yeah. to them was it's your advantage. So yeah. we can forget that. Like yeah. as believers, we can forget that God is able to bring to our remembrance scripture that we've studied mm-hmm. and that we've memorized. God is able to open doors of opportunity and the yeah. spirit's able to prompt us when those doors open. And so there is a dependency on the spirit of God yeah. that has to yeah. be there. And, and- uh, Jones, just I feel like this. I should have asked you this earlier, but just for clarification purpose, how would you, wh- how what would how would you say what would be the description if someone like how would you say someone is gifted in evangelism or not? Like what would be the criteria? So maybe there's someone here listening that mm-hmm. they may be gifted in evangelism, but they don't know, yeah. or maybe they think they are, but they're not. Like what would be some criteria? I mean, we said we said the, the standard: whether you're gifted or not, you need to go out and share. Yep. But for the sake of like edification and, and, and practicality, like how do you know whether you're gifted or not? Yeah, I think that there's a naturalness to it. You know, like for someone who can go out and just, it's really natural for them to engage with and connect with people. And it's very natural for that to flow, you know, right into a conversation about Jesus. Like a lot of people that maybe don't have the gift of evangelism, they'll do what I call Jesus jukes, you know, where you're like, Oh man, it's kind of cool today. You know, you know what else is gonna be cool? Heaven with Jesus, you know, or something yeah. like that. Or <laughs> if, yes. it's, if it's hot out, you go the other route. You yes. like, you know what else is gonna be hot? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but like just a, a naturalness and an ease to like the conversation and turning those conversations to to, to Christ and towards the gospel. Like it just it just happens. Yeah. You know, like when you sit down and like it's hard because like if you were to ask me who the evangelists are, like. I could tell you the ones that I've sat down with and had conversations with that I can identify, yeah. you know, fairly quickly. Um, but there's probably a whole host of people that I haven't sat down and had the conversation with yeah. that are gifted with evangelism in our church, yeah. and I just don't know yet because, like, I haven't seen yeah. or experienced do, that. Do you think that there's a factor of like, like, let's say, like, will you say that an evangelist see the fruits? Like, meaning, meaning, like. If you lead people to the, if you have the opportunity to be the, to be that final conversation where someone trusts in the Lord, uh, is that a, a merit that you are an evangelist? Or would you say that no, even someone who is not gifted in evangelism can also have that? Yeah. I mean, naturally, I would say that you're going to see more fruit because as an evangelist, you're going to be sowing more seed. But I don't necessarily think that means like, Oh, I'm seeing people come to the Lord. I have the gift of evangelism. Or I don't see the people coming to know the Lord. I don't see the gift of evangelism because, you know, I think Scripture is pretty clear that we water, we plant, and God gives growth. You mm-hmm. know, like Great. let's just use an example from our life, right? Yeah. I got to meet with a guy, laid out the gospel, someone who believes or thinks they have the gift of evangelism. He didn't come to know Christ, right? Mm-hmm. But he meets with you two weeks later, yeah. and dude comes to know Christ. You know, yeah. like if if we were looking at it on that merit, well then. I probably should have been the one that let him to the Lord, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that should be the outreach pastor. And that's, I think that's the thing, too. And this is an obstacle that people face sometimes of we have to understand we don't save anyone, right? Yeah. It's not That's not our job. Like, that's yeah. not our calling is to save people. God does that, mm-hmm. not us. It's not should be personal. Like, Correct. we should not take it personal. But I think, yeah. too, with the gift of evangelism comes a tremendous heart and focus and burden for the lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only the opportunities that are there and, and taking the opportunities to share and it, it naturally being something that you want to share. Yeah. But I think there's a consuming of the heart and mind of the evangelist with those that are lost yeah. that y- you see people and the need 
in a way that a lot of times other other believers don't necessarily see in that same capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a, a mark also of yeah. an evangelist yeah. is they're seeing the the fields that yeah. are white unto harvest yeah. and they're wanting to go out into that. Um, and so I think that's part of it as well. And I would say like to that, like, for and we uh, said this already, but like the, every believer, whether they're gifted in evangelist or not, they should be gospel minded. Yeah. Which means like the gospel is present in your mind. Uh, like I would say, like you explain why you explain how what what would be the criteria for someone that has the gift of an evangelist. And for me, the reason why I don't feel like I have it is because I'm not I, I'm not that person that like is present with like like I like I give you a practical example. I go to the gym, I put my headphone on, and I don't want anybody to talk to me. And not 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 moment in that gym, I'm thinking, man, I need to go to this person and just start a conversation with the hope of sharing the gospel. But nonetheless, when you are gospel-minded, it's like whether you're gifted or not, you're looking for an opportunity where you share. Mm-hmm. So my neighbor came together with me, or my neighbor was like, we were talking, and uh, he was sharing about how his life is a mess, you know? And and right there, it's like, because I'm pressed on the gospel, I'm like, all right, Lord, like, help me out. Here it is. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and I share the gospel, but it's not something that I'm like pressed like doing it, like for, like I am more convinced of like, okay, this is my time alone. Like I got to work out, I got to get my reps, whatever. No one bothers me. Man, get those reps in. Yeah, but yeah, like you I can tell my, I got to get my reps in. <laughs> you can tell they're working. The funny thing yeah. is, is the direct, I need to try yoga, I guess. In the direct, direct opposite. <laughs> like if I'm at if I'm at the wire, I was lifting. And I had headphones and listening, and I see a group of guys coming, and I see them starting to talk. I shut my headphones off so I can hear what they're saying yeah, to see if yeah. I can jump in I, when, when I'm there. You know what I mean? And I put them where like I don't hear anything. Yeah, like I don't want to yeah. hear what people are talking. That like that's the difference. Sure. But nonetheless, there has to be uh, an intentionality on you know, someone on your end and someone on my end to yeah. recognize that there is a world out there that is hurting and that is lost, yes. and that we have access to the very thing that can change people's life. Bring hope yes. and restoration. Hey, let me let me get to that last kind of obstacle. We mm-hmm. talked about um, the the lack of love um, that that sometimes is there for people. Sometimes though, the love is present there, but people have this fear, which is the you know one of the obstacles we talked about. That my life doesn't look. Mm you know, holy or, yeah. or I'm, I still sin or I'm or they not. they know my past. And or, yeah. So how would you say to someone listens like, man, I would love to share the gospel and I would love to love people in that way. But uh, my life isn't, isn't one that they're going to look at and see much. Mm-hmm. Um, am I still supposed to share? Like, how would you respond to that? I think if you, you look at Paul, uh, Paul said, you know, of the, the sinners, I am the chief. Yeah, so absolutely. If, if, if we lived and <laughs> yeah. operated by that, no one would be sharing the gospel. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Like, no Paul. pastor, yeah. right? No pastor, no elder, no missionary yeah. nope. would be able to serve the Lord if the you criteria can. is, I got everything figured out and everything's cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. That just isn't going to happen. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that like the messiness of my life sometimes makes me a more effective evangelist. You yeah. know, like, wow. like because... When it's a the, teacher, when, right when the there. Grace, I've never heard that. When the grace of God is so heavy and apparent on your heart, you know, it it like it, I don't know, it makes you more fervent and fresh to share. You know, like yeah. it's kind of like the the you know the passage uh, to who much is forgiven, mm-hmm. much is grateful. Yeah, you know, uh, like that story of Jesus with the uh, the you know he's just like the Pharisee is like if you knew who she was. You wouldn't be uh, even talking to her. It's like no, like this woman yeah. hasn't stopped kissing my feet, and you know, and in yeah. the moment, you know, that just a whole passage, which is a great an illustration of like 
to two distincts, like someone who thought that he were perfect and someone who was clearly not, but she recognized who Jesus yep. was and didn't want to stop from being with Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, so. I think um, a lot of times as Christians, and this can be a little bit of an indictment on Christians here, and that's not meant to be a discouragement to Christians, but I think reality check maybe, we can think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, mm -hmm. yeah. right? We can tend to sometimes think we have things figured out or we are better than, or we look better than, and the reality is, you know, apart from Christ, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's Paul's attitude of I'm the chief of sinners. And Paul even went so far as to say, even the good things that I think I did are, are worthless yep. because of in comparison, right, with mm -hmm. who Christ is. So as believers, I think sometimes we have this false kind of thought in our mind that like, hey, we're here and those that are lost are here. No, that's that's not the reality of it all. You know, we we equally are in need of the grace, forgiveness of God and but for the grace of God in our yep. lives we would be the worst of, of sinners. And so I think we have to have that little bit of reality check. Um, I think this has been really helpful, by the yeah. way, like some of the things yeah. you're sharing, I think yeah. is good. So as we get to a point of conclusion, you know, for, for this session, one of the things we really want to challenge with Beyond the Pew is people taking what they hear and learn in church and then implementing outside the walls of the church yeah. these principles. So as you talk to people listening now that say, hey, I want to make a more concerted effort to evangelize and to, to reach out to people, what are some practical things you would encourage them to do to see evangelism and outreach as a more, you know, prominent part of their life? What would you encourage them? Yeah, I think we go back to some of the conversation that we had, like those intentional investments in the lives of the people that are around you. So uh, neighborhoods are a fantastic place to start. Like if you're saying, man, like, you know, I just don't know where to start. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, we just did a neighborhood cookout. We moved into a neighborhood back in January. We hosted a neighborhood cookout in August, we invited people eight days before and we're like, we don't know if people are going to come. We don't know if people aren't going to come, but it works with our calendar. We're just going to throw it on there. We had 40 neighbors show up. Yeah. Like people, <laughs> people want that yeah. community. You know, yeah. there's nothing special about us or our home. We, we made burgers from Sam's Club, you know, like it wasn't like they're coming for this amazing cuisine Not or tacos. you know like yeah like we, we 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 set up tables in the garage because it might rain and we still had those people hanging out for three hours because people are longing for community and connection mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. like really simply just just providing a space to invite people into our lives yeah. and we can do that in our homes we can do that in our workplaces mm -hmm. uh, you know we can do that in any variety of places like those are the simplest doors to open up you know for gospel oriented relationships yeah. so that's yeah. the thing that i challenge you know everything that we do here at maranatha with our outreach events and we're doing things where we're interacting with people we're going to do some carnivals and things coming up what it is is it's providing uh, if you want to say a stream or an avenue of people coming into our lives that we have the opportunity just to be intentional with yeah. and see if the lord would open up doors either at that point to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations, or maybe it's the second or third time you meet up with them. You know, that book that I mentioned mm -hmm. by Sam Chan, uh, How to Share the Gospel Without Being That Guy, they have a thing called Coffee Dinner Gospel, where they try to get coffee with someone, just get to know them, hang out with them. Then they invite them out or over for dinner, still just investing in their lives, getting to know them. And then the third time they meet, they share the gospel with yeah. them. And they found it a very effective way of sharing the gospel in their community. Mm, that's so, great. So yeah. being intentional, loving people, genuinely, authentically caring yeah. for people um, yeah. and not looking at them necessarily as a project, right? Mm -hmm. But as yeah. someone that you truly want to invest in is huge. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say too, what I've found for me that's been extremely helpful is making a concerted effort to pray specifically mm -hmm. that God would yeah. give me eyes to see yep. the open doors of opportunity and asking for those doors to be open. And sometimes it's just in like little 
everyday conversations. Yep. Someone yeah. that if you're in a good mood and, you know, I whistle all the time and someone might say like, why are you in a good mood? And it's an opportunity for me to talk about why I'm, why I have joy with people or, you know, and even in, in sharing the gospel with people and without going into super in-depth conversation, planting a seed in people's mind that like, wow, like God's, God's yeah. maybe real and, and God's yeah. done this. So I think that intentionality yeah. and purpose and love mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that is so yeah. important. And everybody can do that. Yep. And, and and I will add one more thing for me, like on the other end, it's like something that has been challenging and very helpful. And, and this started when you got, st- when you got hired here in Marinata, it's just that weekly or pretty often question that is asked, Hey, when was the last time you shared a gospel with somebody? Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. whether, so like for you listening or watching, like having some, having somebody in your life that is going to intentionally ask yeah. you, Hey, have you shared a gospel lately? I mean, it for me when the that was first asked, it was embarrassing because I could easily argue myself into like, well, you know, I preach on Sunday, so there's that, you know. But you know, when we as after what we have said, that not necessarily will fall into me being intentional having that conversation like Paul did, where even my life is being poured out, and so like the embarrass no, I well, for me it was embarrassment, you know, but. That embarrassment, it's not like, well, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it. For me, it was more like, oh, wait, I've been entrusted with this gospel. I need to be more proactive whether or not I have this giftedness. I got to go and do it, yep. you know? Yeah. And so I would say, too, like intentionality. Uh, um, the second thing, what was the second thing you said? Yeah, to be intentional, to in, be authentic, authentic in our love. Like, and in, then in, I would say, too, accountability. That's, yeah. Yeah. For me, that has been huge. If I can mention one thing on the prayer side of things, that's one of the big things that I always encourage people with. Like when you look at Colossians chapter four, Paul specifically asked the church of Colossae to pray for two things. He says, pray that God would open up doors for the gospel and that I would articulate it clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you go through all the mm-hmm. you know credentials of Paul, you're like... Pfft. If this dude's praying that prayer in Absolutely. his life, like that's yeah. a prayer we need to be <laughs> praying in our life, you no, know? No. Like, yeah, years ago, I remember one of our missionaries that is in a very hard area with heavy persecution. He had shared a story with me about his prayer life, and he said that when he takes any trip and he goes on a plane, for the weeks leading up to the trip, he specifically is praying for the individual that's going to be seated next to him on that plane. So good. That he would have an opportunity to share the gospel. And again, our natural, if I'm going on a plane, my natural inclination is like, please let that seat be empty, right? Yes. I, I want yes. space. I, I want room. Yeah. I don't want to have to worry about, like, I want to I just. I want to book three, yeah, three seats I'm, just I'm so like, that I you know, can see You want to be able to yoga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like Eric, <laughs> Eric in the gym where he wants to focus on the reps, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I want, like, I want, what you want to focus? I want REM. I want uh, rapid eye movement sleep is what I want on the plane. And so. So, but if that he says he prays specifically for the person on the plane that they, he would have opportunity to share the gospel, prays for their salvation, and he I mean, said they're that stuck. He, there's nowhere you he can said go. that when he walks on the plane and he's walking down the aisle, he is greatly anticipating seeing the face of the person that mm. he has been praying for That's specifically, so cool. and he said and, and he prays and he said he is sitting down fully engaged and waiting for the Lord to open the opportunities for him to share the gospel. And and God does. Yeah. And I thought, what a example of an evangelistic mindset yeah. that yeah. instead of his own personal comfort or whatever, he's praying this happens. So um, Brian, as we wrap up here, 
the church is doing some things for outreach. You know, what are some ways that they can be currently involved with outreach in the church? Yeah, here at Maranatha, we've got a couple of different things coming up. Uh, we have a uh, Faith in Blue coming up October 7th. It's just a community event where you know, people come through, play some carnival games, love on people, have some conversations. Uh, next week, October 5th, we're going to be doing a team feed for the, the Springfield High School football team. Yep. Like opportunities to go feed the team, but sit down, have a meal with them, have conversations, invest in their lives. October 21st, I don't know how many details or lists you want. Yeah. We're going to do a trick-and-treat trail where you get five to 800 kids that will come through and love to have just a multitude of Maranatha people over there loving on these kids, engaging with the families. Um, so those are just a couple different things that yeah. we have going on. And, and just for clarification, because at the time of this recording, we have not done those things. <laughs> but by the time this episode comes out, what was the third one? We have done two of those. What's the third one you just shared? Because that's the one we've been the most pressing. <laughs> October 21st, uh, yeah. we'll be doing a trick-and-treat trail. It's with okay. the, the Green Parks and Rec. Five to eight hundred kids come out, and yeah, we get to share some stuff yeah. with them. Yeah. So, if you're listening, we wish we we hope that you've made the other two. <laughs> yeah, but if not, no, no worries. And there's more you coming make, in November. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. fantastic. Well, that is awesome. We appreciate you being here, yeah. and, and we appreciate people listening. Um, every episode, Brian, we end by asking a question to the people. Do you know what the question is? I don't. You don't. Uh, well, no one okay. knows. No, no one knows. No okay. Knows. But yeah. the question we ask is, what is your life like beyond the pew? We hope it's honoring to the Lord. We hope you'll be back with us next week. We'll Thank you, Pastor you. Brian Jones. Thank you so much. Take care.